In the name of the one true living God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. James Church, in one iteration or another, has stood on this site as a house of prayer for all people for 144 years. I bring this up because this is the last time that I will stand in this pulpit of privilege, and I'm going to save my personal, personal remarks for lunch after Mass, but permit me to say a few words about this parish. And as you would expect, I have three points. <laughs> Point number one. This place reminds you, reminds me of the spiritual dimension of life. It points us to the supernatural, it points us to the mystical, it points us to God. And as St. Paul says in his letter to the Hebrews, here on earth we have no continuing city. In other words, we are not permanent residents of earth. We are not earthly beings on a spiritual pilgrimage. We are spiritual beings on a earthly pilgrimage. And unless you're deeper than a spoon, you know that nothing in this life can truly satisfy us. And so we long, we thirst for something more, for something beyond. And we try to satisfy that thirst with earthly things like money, sex, or power, or even other people. But that brings us only temporary relief, something more, something beyond. The desire for the numinous always returns. And as St. Augustine says, the greatest words, I believe, outside of Scripture, O oh God, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Now this very building is laid out to remind us of that for which we truly long. It reminds us of beauty and the ultimate beauty which is God. The font located in the back of the church reminds us that we come into God's family, into his chosen people, through the sacrament of baptism. We must die to sin and rise to newness of life. The nave, which resembles an upside-down ship, reminds us of our earthly pilgrimage through life. We pray. We receive instruction. We praise our Maker. Up here is the altar where we process Sunday by Sunday to receive Jesus himself into us, reminding us that all of life is a procession to the heavenly courts where one day, God willing, we shall see our Lord face to face. 
This very building is a foretaste, an outward invisible sign, a sacrament, if you will, of the beyond for which we all long. And not only to us, to all who pass by this building, to anxious people leading hectic lives of perhaps quiet desperation, stands the tower of St. James Church chopped with its gold cross, reminding us that the cross is steady even as the world turns. And in an age where terror abounds, hatred, smell of fear on the air, people need to see Jesus Christ crucified, risen, glorified, to be challenged to choose him, to enter into his obedience, to find in him real life, abundant life, resurrection life that never ends. And I have seen that here. Second, this place has reminded me that God reveals himself in space and time. You'll recall, I think, the Old Testament story of Jacob fleeing his brother Esau. And Jacob made his bed in the wilderness with a stone for a pillow. And that stone became the cornerstone of the temple. And in his dream, he saw a ladder with the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. And he awoke and exclaimed, this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So in this spot, in this place, generations of the faithful have found God. This church is holy because it is hallowed by their prayers. We know that somehow we are participating in the eternal. People were praying here long before we were born, and they will pray here long after we are dead. We worship with all those who've gone before, as well as those next to us in the pews. I have experienced that here. And thirdly, this edifice, this temple of glass and stone, with all of its history, is really about the future. This is not a museum. This is not a carefully preserved jewel box, but a living, breathing place. I've told you before, I think, of the story of the guest preacher who was invited to speak in a parish of the Presbyterian Church of Scotland. And upon his arrival, he was taken into the side room where their elders took turns laying hands on him one by one and praying for him. And the preacher was deeply moved by all of this. And then they went into the church. And when it was time for the sermon, one of the elders escorted him to the huge pulpit. And just as he was about to mount the steps, the elder touched him on the arm and said, Sir, we would see Jesus. 
That is why this parish exists. People, even though they may not know it, want to see Jesus. They want to meet him in his word proclaimed, in his sacraments, where human beings are reconciled to God and one another, where division is overcome, where love is proclaimed in word and deed, where justice is done, where death is swallowed up in victory. And this building, a visible symbol, is meant to be the place where the signs of the kingdom are most evident. In 2004, when I became your father in God, I knelt on the floor right there, and I said this prayer. O Lord my God, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, yet you have called your servant to stand in your house and to serve at your altar. To you and to your service I devote myself, body, soul, and spirit. Fill my memory with the record of your mighty works. Enlighten my understanding with the light of your Holy Spirit. And may all the desires of my heart and will center in what you would have me do. Make me an instrument of your salvation for the people entrusted to my care. And grant that I may faithfully administer your holy sacraments and by my life and teaching set forth your true and living word. Be always with me in the carrying out of my duties. In prayer, quicken my devotion. In praises, heighten my love and gratitude. In preaching, give me readiness of thought and expression. And grant that by the cleanness and brightness of your holy word, all the world may be drawn into your blessed kingdom. An elderly woman had two large pots, each hung on ends of a pole, which she carried on her neck. And one of the pots had a crack in it, while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water. And at the end of the long walks from the stream to the house, the cracked pot only arrived half full. For two years, this went on daily, with the woman coming home with only a pot and a half of water. Of course, the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments, but the poor cracked pot was ashamed of its own imperfection and miserable that it could only do half of what it had been made to do. And after two years of what it perceived to be bitter failure. It spoke to the woman one day by the stream, I'm ashamed of myself because this crack in my side causes water to leak out all the way back to your house. And the old woman smiled and she said, did you not notice that there are flowers on your side of the path, but not on the perfect pot's path? That's because I have always known of your flaw, 
So I planted flower seeds on your side of the path, and every day when you walk back, you water them. For two years, I've been able to pick those flowers and decorate the table. Without you just being the way you are, there would be not beauty to grace this house. St. Paul says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the all-surpassing power of God is not from us. And each of us has our own little flaw, and God knows I have many. But it's the cracks and the flaws we have that has made our life together so very interesting and so very rewarding. And I trust that as imperfect as I am, you have seen something of the kingdom of God in me. Certainly, you have quickened my devotion. You have heightened my love. And you have been an instrument of my salvation. I have seen a glimpse of the kingdom of God here in you. That is our vision, that is our mission, that is our life, that is our future. Or should I say, that is your vision, your mission, your life, and your future. Father Daly and the vestry are ably prepared to lead you forward. In time, a new priest will come. He will not be me, should not be me, no more than I am Paul Lambert. And Father Lambert was not Father Hancock, who was not Father Allen. And you will love him as you have loved me. You will get the priest you need. Be not afraid. So until that happens, I have some resolutions for you to carry you forward. I want you to resolve to be a learning church, adults and children together, growing in the knowledge of God. I want you to be a church of service, of oneness, of wholeness, of holiness. Resolve to continue in the apostles' teaching and prayers and the breaking of the bread. Resolve to worship God here in the beauty of holiness and the holiness of beauty from which everything else flows. Resolve to be an obedient church, a caring church, a church with a passion for souls. And make that resolution not only for yourselves, but for all, so that all might see Jesus. I cherish you, I cherish this place because I have caught a glimpse of something beyond, something more that I am longing for. This house of God has been for me the gate of heaven. And through that gate, we have together glimpsed our true homeland. Amen. The hymn in procession to the...